Welcome to the podcast. We talk about all the things that are hidden in the shadows. This is Isaac, and on this bonus episode, I am joined by Mike from War Party Paranormal. What's going on? Hey, what's up, Isaac? How are we doing? Yeah, it's it feels odd. Um, <laughs> we were just trying to record earlier, and it crashed on us. But uh, hopefully, we get take two properly right. Um, uh, at least I tell people in the beginning episodes um, that whatever is on my side can travel to your side. Whatever's on your side can travel to my side. Um, so. Maybe something's dealing messing with us. So yeah, maybe. Yeah, but actually, no, I'm glad I got you back on because out of the uh, the many um, people we actually had on the uh, roundtable, paranormal roundtables that we did uh, middle late last year, uh, you're one of the few that actually uh, I liked hearing their perspective on the paranormal, uh, just because you seem to be more uh, I don't guess you know well well trained or at least well seasoned within the uh, the field. So I wanted to bring you back for. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. Happy to be here. Yeah, hear your perspectives on things. Um, so on that, how long have you would say you've been paranormal investigating or at least involved with the paranormal? So I could say it's uh it's always been a a passion um my whole life and it's been something that I've always enjoyed. Uh my first actual investigation was probably about six years ago. Um, and then I dabbled in it here and there. Uh, but until I met the the great men and women of war party paranormal uh about a year and a half ago is when i really started uh investigating uh frequently so with those guys i mean uh we're almost investigating on a weekly basis that's good i was i was saying i was i would try to get my uh my team out there more um but it seems we kind of combed over most locations that are available to the public out here um but investigating outside seems to be available all the time and but I, the one thing i don't like about investigating outside is most of the time your evidence can be corrupted by like outside you know or even the animals or the elements or anything like that so you don't know if you're getting 100 genuine information uh, versus like inside a building where it's you know completely quiet and you can hear like an of the floor or a whisper in three rooms down or something like that correct, correct. yeah i agree Plus dealing with I agree. it's definitely it's definitely more difficult to uh to investigate outdoors for sure. Yeah, and I don't like dealing with the outside bugs. Ugh. Yeah. I mean and we're <laughs> we're down here in Florida, so it gets uh pretty hot and sticky. So that's never fun as well. No. Um so you're based in Florida. Uh what like I guess is like your top places that you investigated, I guess, in your area? So there's there's a few. Um, we we have some locations that we frequent uh, that we do events and and do uh, investigations with the public. Um, yes, to your village is is a favorite. They have multiple locations there. It's uh, most popular for the Riddle House that uh, was on Ghost Hunters in two thousand. No, I'm sorry, Ghost Adventures in two thousand and eight. Uh, and after they filmed there, they never let anybody back in the attic. They were going. They said that they locked it permanently, uh, but just recently they started letting us into the attic. So, and and that's where the the gentleman actually hung himself was in the attic there. Um, so, yeah, we've been getting some uh, pretty crazy activity there. Um, there's a lot of other properties uh, and uh, structures at Yesteryear Village that are also very very active, if not more active. Um. You know, there's a the old Davy schoolhouse. There's another house that's on the property. Uh, it's a historical home, the Beely House. That that also has a, a pretty spooky attic, and we get a lot of activity there. We actually frequent there so much that we actually know via uh, EVPs and spirit box sessions and stuff, and obelisk and different things, and putting things together and talking to local historians that we actually know the guy's name first and last and how he died prior to talking to historians. So that was pretty amazing. Like we kind of basically the, the historian that works for her name's Kim. We, we kind of went to her and said, Hey, what we're getting the name Paul. And then we're also getting a lot of stuff with a hammer, you know, and the first thing hammer we're thinking, you know, the tool, a hammer. Um, and she goes, no, there was a guy that lived here. His name was Paul hammer. Hammer was his last name. And I was like, wow. So um, that's that's definitely uh, 
uh, a good spot to investigate. We get a lot of stuff. We're still learning. We're getting different things all the time. We're getting a lot of similar stuff, but different. And it's almost like we get our names called out there and stuff because we frequent there so often. Mm-hmm. And if, uh, you know, one of our team members that's there all the time couldn't make it one night, we, we get his name. Like it's, it's wild. So, um, also the Port St. Lucie Devil Tree. That is an outdoors uh, location, but it's definitely a, a spooky spot. And and we have picked up a lot of activity. And and sometimes when we're investigating or I'm investigating and it's an outdoor thing, I might switch up methods, you know, uh, if it's a little windy or something like that, because a lot of our recorders were using uh, our voice activated, right? Which will be activated with wind noise. So that could contaminate or make it not so easy to to capture evps um so you know maybe we'll do a spirit box session or an esta session where it's not affected by wind or things of that nature um or uh an estes method session or a, a a portal you know uh things like that um but the devil tree is is definitely up there i, I would think we went there about three times and uh Every time did not disappoint. That's for sure. That is one location that I guess it was on top of things I want to talk to you about. Um, Cause recently coming up, we actually have an episode. We talk about the devil's places, um, places that have been potentially affected by demonic activity, or at least have the name of the devil in it. Like uh, we have the devil stomping ground here in North Carolina and stuff like that. With well, the devil tree specifically, what is it about it that makes it specifically um darker what is the i guess the the story behind it the story yeah. yeah there's so much like it there's there's some there's urban legend mixed with true crime and just mysterious findings and and reports of of strange happenings like it, it, it so the root of it the beginning was gerald john schaefer uh, in the early 70s was the Florida's first serial killer uh, recorded. And he was a sick, sick man. And uh, he was actually a police officer. And he was also tried to become a pastor. They, they, yeah. And he actually also worked for the school. So he was convicted of two murders that happened very close by at Hutchison Island um, in, in Stewart. And after he was convicted, he was only convicted for the two murders. Just shy after that, a couple of hunters stumbled across some remains at Oak Hammock Park where the devil tree is. It's like a 160-year-old, uh, big, crazy, beautiful oak tree. And... Uh, the remains were found near this tree. Um, they never did recover one of the young woman's skulls. Um, and this serial killer would, would go here to this tree, this area, and, and do unspeakable things. And um, like I said, he was only convicted for two, but there's reports and findings um up to around 100 women and and he would he would kill in pairs um he would pick up girls hitchhiking and i mean if you saw if you were a young girl in florida in the 70s and a police officer pulls up to you and says hey do you need a ride sure i mean it's a cop you know which should be good so it's very dark uh person you know that that kind of started this and then uh, after that, there would be reports of people seeing hooded figures um, doing uh, statistic worshiping and things at this tree. Um, and the killer also reported that he, he would do occult things and, and, and rituals and things in this park and by this tree. So, you know, it's, it's already a, uh, you know, dark place, dark things. It's actually a very beautiful park though. Um, 
And then with the reports of, of hooded figures, and then people started reporting hearing voices and screams and thing in the wood, things in the woods. Um, also reports of the, now there's like a little bathroom there and stuff, you know, cause it's a park, it's on a nature trail and it's a modern bathroom, but there's supposedly people have, have heard disembodied voices in that, in that bathroom. Um, the first time we went out there, we found a, I would call it a makeshift altar. Um, that was like a plywood box screwed together. That was like spray painted black. And then it had like red painting with like runes and, uh, different symbols and Latin, uh, stuff on it. Very creepy. And then it had like two wooden sticks laid on a cross with like trinkets and offerings on it. And it had a door. And, uh, so I kind of went over by it. I'm looking in through the door. I didn't want to touch it to be honest with you. And, uh, I could shine my flashlight in there and you could see like eyes like of a, a, uh, small animal that was uh, deceased inside the box. Like somebody put it there. Um, I took a bunch of pictures, documented it, but, uh, somebody, somebody had put it out there and it was off the beaten path. Like, cause we were, there's some ruins there as well from an old boy's home. And, uh, and there was also some cattle ranches back in the thirties there. So there's some ruins and, and old structures nearby. So, we were very intrigued. And and like I said, we didn't really get a lot of, of uh, evidence the first trip. Um, we got one EVP. It was, like I said, it was a little difficult because we're outdoors. So we, we went back. And when we went back, I met a guy named Keith, Keith Rommel. He is an author. And I think he's wrote, written like uh, 17 novels or so. Hmm. And a good amount of them are based on the devil tree. Um, so he's, I would say, infatuated with the place. And and he's done a lot of research and a lot of digging. And and he kind of, after he found out that, you know, our demeanor and the way that we are and professional, uh, he agreed to meet with us to let me interview him and take him on an investigation with us out there. And he actually showed us where the bodies were discovered um and the actual tree where the murders took place because he had original crime scene photos um so the tree that they call the double tree is a tree that the this guy would would frequent and do things there but the actual killings did not take place there it was another tree in an undisclosed location nearby and we investigated that and it was it was pretty wild and then the third time we went back was was also extremely extremely active that would be the first place that my good buddy joe that we were talking about and last time i was with you mm-hmm. that's uh an empath um saw a a a figure and i believe him i didn't see it i, I can't see things that i know of or i haven't seen or i'm still closed off or, or whatever it may be, but he's, I mean, I, he almost fell like he was so startled, you know? Um, but that's, that's basically the story. And then there's even more urban legends and stuff around that. The tree that's surrounded by darkness, well, for the, the heinous acts that was done there. But um, if that tree was the dark energy that was essentially, I guess, housed there and then people came across and tried to, summon it up or at least stir up the already tainted uh, energy in the area, I can see that place is becoming more dark and is attracting darker entities to it. Yeah. And not only that, but you think about there's a lot of people that visit it, you know, because of the true crime aspect of it. And, and uh, you know, our curiosity um, to, to true crime stuff and, and uh, the paranormal so there's a lot of people that that frequent it. So you have all the dark energy. You got the curiosity of all the people out there. And then there's, you know, there's a lore of it. And then the urban legend side. The urban legend was that when uh, the city 
took over the property to turn it into a park. They wanted to cut the tree down um, because of its dark history. And uh, they sent out a couple uh, state employees to cut it down, some chainsaws. And this is the story. I don't know how factual this is. Um, but they tried to cut it down with chainsaws. And the chainsaws would malfunction. And uh, both of them. And they finally just gave up. They tried using a handsaw. And the teeth broke. So they went to get in the car or the truck and, and go get another chainsaw and come back. And they got into a car accident and were killed. That's the legend. Um, so now people will take pieces of that bark. And supposedly, if you put that in somebody's car and they have the bark, that they will get into a car accident. <laughs> God dang. Yeah, that's 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 heinous activity right there to, to try and to, uh, like, uh, induce a, a a curse almost. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's like, if you go there, you could see all the carvings and the marks. Um, and then people, like, leave all kinds of, like, offerings and stuff there. It's it's very, very odd. Yeah. Um, I understand that you handle most of the, uh, amongst the investigating, but you handle a lot of the tech that goes uh, yes, in your correct. team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you say is your most effective, or at least your most favorite piece of tech to use investigating? Oh, boy. Um, or is that a long list? <laughs> it's hard because, you know, obviously, you know, cameras, um, because you want to document everything that you're doing. But uh, this is going to be a, a kind of controversial answer because a lot of people love it. And a lot of people hate it, but I'm a big fan of the DR 60, my recorder. Um, there's a lot of people out there that, that don't like them. Um, but that thing is, is, you know, they call it the Holy grail of, of EVP recorders. And I agree. I mean, some of it, you're going to get very gargled stuff, but the amount of, uh, of EVPs you can pick up with this device is just insane. I know. Um, I, granted, me and Megan have caught EVPs doing recordings like this in the, our our room, essentially with you know regular SM57 microphones. Um, yeah, <laughs> and you hear things. I mean, through. I've caught them on my camera. You yeah. know, just my regular camera stuff, just looking around and 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 have captured EVPs. But this this recorder was um, manufactured by Panasonic in 1998. It was one of the first digital recorders. And it has a neat little story behind it because people were using them, you know, for work and college and school and things of that nature, what the recorders were made for to a voice activated recorder. And people started returning them saying, this thing's malfunctioning. Uh, I'm picking up, I'm, I'm getting bleed through from other recordings. I'm hearing voices and all this stuff. And, and people were just returning them. And, and Panasonic was like, uh, I don't know. Okay. And, and they were just, they said, screw it. And they destroyed them got rid of them discontinued it and then they put out a report that oh it was recording its own inter- internal workings which i guess made sense at the time when digital recorder is new to people you know but there is no internal workings in the digital recorder you know it's digital so yeah and and now they go for because they're so you know they're obsolete they're gone not many of them around I see people selling them. They're going for anywhere from like five grand to around fifteen hundred on on eBay. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, amongst my my team, we were hardly ever using the equipment because you have four members of my team that are all technically psychic. So we kind of rely on our abilities to tell us what's there, or what's here. Granted, we probably should start recording a lot of stuff that we encounter, especially stuff we hear when we're out there. I've been trying to figure out how to get attached like a GoPro to like my front so people can at least see the point of view um that goes for about the rest of the team so which is actually pretty funny um because as as i was waiting uh to to get on here with you i I had some time and i put a little video together about the full spectrum cameras um and and how to use them what they do and uh I'll, i'll send you some information there's some pretty cool stuff out there little action cameras that are recording full spectrum so yeah i think that would be perfect for you yeah, uh, we we rigged blah, blah, blah. what we tried to rig uh, up so far is at least put my like our phone 
or like, uh, and well, me and Mike, we both wear vests uh, when we go out. Well, mine's more of a battle vest, but um, I try to fit in like our front pocket so it can at least sit in like seeing the point of view and stuff like that. Um, but what do you, I guess you said that, that, that your favorite so far, or at least the more effective is the digital quarter, but um, you are actually a practice. What is that test? Um, so the Estes, Estes yeah. method. Yeah. We, we do that a lot. And, and I actually just came out with my own version of that. Um, we're calling my, my last name is Del Coro, Mike Del Coro. So we're calling it the Delco experiment, but we, we did it in the attic uh, the other night. So first I'll describe the Estes method and then I'll, I'll tell you how we did my, I did my own twist on it. Mm. So the Estes method is basically taking a spirit box and plugging it into no, noise isolation headphones. Um, it's very important that they're noise isolation. Um, we use drummers headphones, Vic Forth. Um, so even if you put them on and nothing's playing in it, you can't hear somebody talking next to you. They're isolation, you know, like, like shooting headphones almost. Um, so the whole point is to only be able to hear the spirit box, nothing else. And then you're going to be the person that's a receiver that's wearing the headphones with the spirit box playing into it is also going to be blindfolded. And the reason for this is we're, we're taking away their, their sensor, you know, it's basically sensory deprivation. You know, they can't see, they can't hear, and they're only listening and concentrating on what's coming through the spirit box. Um, so therefore the, the transmitters, the people that are asking the questions, um, the other person with the blindfold on cannot see uh, or read their lips when they're asking questions. So they're, you know, so whatever questions they're asking and the person is shouting out what they hear on the spirit box, there's less contamination. You know, there's less subconsciousness of, of you know, of, of them trying to or accidentally hearing something and, and tweaking it to answer the question. So they're completely blocked out, you know, and, and just repeating whatever they hear from the spirit box. And then we'll ask questions and see if they correlate. And what is your twist? So I, we've been doing this for a while and I'm like, all right, you know what? Have you ever heard of the uh, Gansfeld experiment? No. Okay. So this was an experiment originally um, to test uh, EV. I'm sorry, ESP with people. So they would put, take golf ball. I'm sorry, golf balls, ping pong balls, cut them in half and lay them over the eyes and shine a red light into them. And then you would listen to white or pink noise and somebody would be in another room and pull cards or things like that. And then the other person would try to guess and uh, see if that lined up why they were eyes, you know, we're seeing this red light and they're listening to this white noise. Um, and then, you know, reports that after like 20 minutes of, of hearing the white noise and, and seeing the red lights that people were, would start to see entities and see things or hallucinate or all these different uh, theories, you know, so I was like, man, that's kind of close to what we're doing for an Estes method, right? Mm -hmm. So what if we were doing the Estes method? We had the headphones on with the spirit box and we did the red lights over the eyes instead of closing your eyes with a blindfold. And it's the spirit box is, is white noise, right? So that's what we did. We, we took Joe, our, uh, our, our sensitive, and we, we put him in the attic on the chair headphones on and i actually took uh some goggles that uh you know like a steampunk kind of style like goggles right like yeah. costume stuff and i i drilled them out and put red leds in there with a little chip so you can make it either flash or stay solid uh, with a battery pack and then i whited them out hot glue and then i put um defusing white material, more hot glue and whited them out completely. So when you put them on, all you see is a red flashing light in your eye or a red solid light. Um, not bright enough to, to harm you, just a small LED, but you, you know, that's all you're seeing. It's basically replicating the uh, ping pong balls, but making it like a mobile type situation. So 
Joe put the glasses on or the goggles and the headphones and we put the spirit box and started cranking away and asking questions. And it was, it was wild. It was wild. We got some, some really crazy uh, responses that correlated. Joe started to see some stuff um, that we couldn't really link to anything. Like we didn't really understand what the correlation was there, but he, he said he was seeing pyramids um, and then like a, a really long hallway and that like almost like only way I could describe it the way he described, described it to me is you ever seen that movie fire in the sky. Like when the, the, the guy was like abducted by ETs and they're like pulling them down a, a hallway. Yeah. And like that vision, like of getting dragged down a hallway kind of thing. That's what he was seeing with this pyramids long hallway getting pulled down at lights like kind of going by it was like very very strange creepy but uh i don't know what that has to do with um a gentleman that hung himself in the attic but also there was a little boy that actually fell out of the second story window and 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 died in that house and all of a sudden like his whole voice changed and he started like almost like giggling like he wasn't giggling but he was like replicating what he heard like ha 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 and then he said i want to fly and i'm like what is it are you a little boy and then i started asking questions like uh, of that nature and then the responses that were coming back were, were lining up it was it was wild interesting i wonder how that would work with uh one of the psychics on my team, either Mike or Megan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it is. So Joe, uh, he, he's, you know, he's sensitive. And there was a couple times where, where he was like jumping around. Like he, he saw something that, that spooked him, you know, and when we're doing the regular SS method. So I, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's it's very uh it's a very cool experiment. Yeah, hopefully it takes more if it gets more widely known, you at least get credit for it. Uh yeah, yeah, no, that would be cool. Uh yeah. for sure. We we actually said that. We're like, I hey, that would be cool if we start seeing people doing this. Uh but yeah, and, and just even the Estes method itself, I I love it. I think it's great because you know it's there's really you know, we know that the person that we're asking the questions to can't hear what we're saying and it's just repeating it's almost like a human portal basically you know what i mean like you know they're they're deciphering what they hear coming through without knowing what we're asking and uh when you start getting collaborating evidence back to back like that that's that's good stuff yeah no we uh my team's tried it a couple of times um before with uh certain places and it's it's getting uh, using a spirit box or a, uh, the SB7 spirit box, we mm-hmm. want something similar and getting the, like more definitive answers. But I find it that uh, it's almost like hearing uh, <laughs> the person that is doing it, the method uh, is like uh, an interrupting conversation of us <laughs> trying to talk uh, to something, unless we have him like completely isolated and he's specifically or they're doing that. Um, but we find it that. <sighs> Well, us being, I would say, not rookies to the game. Granted, me and my wife are because we've only been doing this for about mm, almost two years now. Uh, we haven't really bought much equipment into the game when it comes to it. So we kind of relied on basically our phones to do most of the stuff for us. And there's only ever two apps that I would ever put in stock in. Well, now three. Um, it was it was Necrophonics, uh, the app that I've used that. Like, like a spirit box, but ever since and ghost tube would use every now and then because um, of the accuracy that it usually gave us in, in, in a location. But ever since ghost tube created their own form of a necro uh, necrophonics kind of box, called ghost Fox, um, that thing, however, Oh, let me tell you that thing is very accurate and very more proficient. Instead of hearing interrupting voices like six or seven at a time that you hear do necrophonics, Ghost Fox works like one to two voices that will come in 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 and like they're waiting in line to speak at the microphone. Yeah, almost like uh like we have an ovul we use an ovulisk too. 
uh, here and there. We, I mean, between the, the, the guys on the team, I think we got everything that's ever been made. It's nuts. Um, he actually had every series of Obelisk. Uh, somebody, uh, Tim, uh, long-haired ghost hunter, somebody actually, uh, I think, stole one of his, his PX uh, during one of the investigations or something or misplaced it. But, yeah, no, I, 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 I love it. Uh, you know the the electronic side because that's that's what i do for work uh, i sell marine electronics uh, on boats and yachts and i've always been a techie kind of guy so I, I do enjoy it and tinkering i i made a bear uh, uh with a rem pod built into it um made a couple other devices um but yeah i, I would say if if you had to ask me like all right you could have your recorder and your camera but you have to pick one other piece of equipment what would it be I would say the the millimeter uh, for sure. It's a great all in one device. It's got if you get the one with the the REM pod built in, so it's got a REM pod. It's got a uh, EMF meter, uh, a very accurate one at that uh, temperature probe, um, and you know, it, and and they're all very very accurate. And you could change the sensitivity and zero them out and everything, and it's all in one handheld little device. So. Uh, that would be that'd be a, a good one for me to pick, I think, because it's it's got multiple functions and uh and it's pretty accurate. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh the millimeter that you said that has the uh the built in EMF detector. Yeah, they have multiple like there's multiple models of them. Um but it but it is like basically that's what it is, is a is an EMF detector and you could set it on uh fast or, or slow. And if you put it on like fast none of the other functions work it just does that but like you could take it and if you move it towards a fan or something giving off emf like for a test you could see how accurate the level like it's it's super accurate and then if you put it on slow it's it's still really accurate but it doesn't give you the whole countdown it kind of just jumps from number to number um and then it has a rem pod built in as well i, I wouldn't use the rem pod while you're holding it um you know you'd want to set it down but and then it also has a ambient temperature as well and a, an accurate temperature probe uh that you plug in and it has that as well a little yeah. stand the reason i brought that up is because uh so far the only piece of technology well piece that i've encountered anyway that can um well prove my ability is the emf detector um when i do a pull um or like i feel thing in my hand if the emf detector is near my hand as i do a pull a uh, needle will go off or the, uh, oh, wow. the gauge so far is the only thing so far that if any technology that you put near me as I'm doing something will go off, but uh, yeah, like the human the human body uh, produces a, a very small electromagnetic field uh, as it uh, you know in, in general, but to see a spike on command uh, when you're trying to do when you're doing your you know you call it a pull when you're doing your pull that's that's remarkable um and and you know the other thing that i would like to see um is if you had an edi uh meter right edi plus that's a little device that's like an all-in-one little gadget as well um that has temperature uh emf and uh geophone vibration but it takes a sim card right so you can start it recording, like just running and, and, and time stamped it with the camera. You could see when you uh, are doing your things, what the EMF is doing. So that would be, that would be interesting to see. Uh, <laughs> I think about it that way. Um, but yeah, the only other thing we ever thought of that could actually show any kind of proof is a possibly a full spectrum camera. If the spirit that's I, I sense or whatever is in front of me, at least can be seen on a full spectrum camera or, or thermal thermal yeah. would probably be be good as well you got to come down we'll uh <laughs> we'll break out all the toys yeah it just it just it because when i talk about people um that have similar abilities of mine there's actually a, a phrase that or at least the terminology that me and megan uh, had come up with which is energy manipulation ability um or ema for short just because that's a mouthful to say a lot but um People out there that have EMA style ability. Now, a lot of psychics do have EMA um, 
EMAs out there, uh, but they're not the forefront of their abilities. You know, they more focus on their mind or they hear or they see through uh, their their you know their uh their psychic abilities um and also the ema of uh manipulating the energy around them somehow um like my wife can project from her hands uh energy that kind of blocks or pushes things back mike uh my team he kind of eliminates it from his core self i of course can feel and i pull um but the other well only two uh ema people that we met one was on the uh the round table uh sharice um She's on the Seattle paranormal team. She projects it from her left hand. And of course, Jane in Australia, uh, part of, or at least works sometimes with the eternal sisters, uh, paranormal. Um, she also kind of, kind of works with the EMA ability. And, um, what I always try to, well, talking about mostly is try to find more people who have similar or something of the run of the mill of EMA. Um, but finding the technology around it to at least prove that, that it does exist or at least somehow record it uh, is what I'm always searching for. But something with yeah, that, you. What that, you that EDI would be the way. That's a, it's a data logger is what they call it. Ah. But with you, now that you said that you're more a tech guy, you like to tinker and put stuff together. There is, I guess, a challenge I would have for you um, is to build an artificial version of my ability something that can pull and absorb uh electromagnetic energy let's say like a almost like a trap a ghost trap which now that i say it out loud it kind of sounds like ghost ghostbusters uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah i i guess i guess I, I would have to really think about that and and try to uh come up with a, a, a negative like maybe like a negative ion uh, style uh, generator or something of that nature but for me I, I wouldn't be able to tell you know maybe if we put uh, cameras around and, and things of that nature or, or infrared but that's you know what I would like to see is I actually just ordered something because it was easier for me to order it and buy it than it would be to build it at that point, but there's another fellow that came out with the, it, it, he's calling it the tripwire, right? And it's, they come in different lengths. The one I bought is 12 foot, it's on back order, I'm waiting for it, but this would be neat for you as well. Um, it has little like nodes every so, so many feet on a string that change, col- not a string, a, a cable that change colors, um, just like a K2 meter. And they're calibrated the same, yellow, um was it yellow green orange red and i said that backwards but whatever yeah. and, and it changes the different colors per milligauss and there's a bunch of them on a on like a, a line so you can drape it you can it, it's actually really cool like i, I want to use it and put it down the hallway and leave my camera sitting on it and see if you could see like one go off and the next one go off like something pass by um but we were thinking about doing it with Joe because there's sometimes when when he's in doing an Estes method, being that he's a sensitive and empath, he he'll pull out a K two meter out of his pocket when he's blindfolded and start moving it around him like this because he felt something like on the shoulder or something, and he'll he'll put it over there and see if there's any uh, uh, field around him. But this thing, you know, we could like kind of drape it over him. You know what I mean? Like he'll have like all the little uh, EMF sensors hanging over him, so that would be cool too. That's another uh, option. Yeah, I gotta get get the. I gotta know your friends because they seem to have the the uh, the know how with the certain technologies out there that are I've I've never come across. But again, like I said before, uh, tech is not usually our our forefront when it comes to investigating. And so I said, if we ever hire a fifth person to our team, would be just strictly you know, cameras and tech. tech guys, and so right. yeah, uh, we don't necessarily need them to have ability just you know to record and document everything we do. But, yeah, no, for sure. And and like I said, if uh if you guys ever uh come down this way or we come up there, we'll have to we'll have to catch up, do an investigation together. Yeah. You see me at work. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool for sure. I'd like to I'd like to check it out. Yeah. Um in your time investigating, I know one place that you talked about before you went to that is uh at least widely known uh, as the Waverly Hill Sanitarium. Correct. Correct. Yeah. What our, was our, Go ahead. 
I said, what was like one of the I guess like profound experiences there? Uh, I would say the first one. It's kind of a joke, uh, but Eric, our, our team leader, is is very like monotone. Like when he talks and everything, you know, like a he's he's an awesome guy, good personality, but like his voice is just always like I never heard him yell, I've never heard him scream, never heard him get upset. He's always very calm, and I was like two floors above him. And he was two floors below me, I think. Yeah. And, and like on the second floor and I was on the fourth or something like that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, and I heard him scream like a high school girl. Like it was, it was crazy. I was like, what was that? And, and later we actually have the footage. He was, he was walking with only his full spectrum camera staring at the little screen. So he couldn't see anything. And, you know, we're from Florida. We're used to like little fruit bats that are like this. And there was these two honking bats that, that flew by him and, you know, just the whipping of the wind and the, and, you know, not being able to see it. And, and these things just come flying by him and scared the living piss out of him. And the video is funnier than heck to watch. Uh, but we obviously uh, quickly debunked it. Uh, but that was, that was pretty funny, but yeah. I would say the, the, the best here or, or the, the best evidence that I got when I was there is I got an EVP when I was asking a bunch of questions in an area that said, that's enough, Mike. Clear, super clear. So, Mm -hmm. and that was, that was pretty, uh, pretty wild. And the, the whole, just the whole structure and the history is, is, is awesome. Uh, Not awesome, but it's like, it's, disturbing but it's like the building and the history is just awesome to see you know like this big huge hospital like and its state you know it's it's definitely uh definitely a, a place to check out yeah it's on the we top, went, of, top of our to-do list <laughs> yeah we, i went down in the uh the uh body shoot uh or the death tunnel uh, you know uh, it was actually designed to bring uh, supplies in to the building, but then when tuberculosis got so bad, and uh, the, and there were so many people just dying off, um, they didn't want to be rolling them out the front door, you know, because it's an open air facility. They didn't want all the the uh, the patients to see you know all the death, you know, and they don't want to spook them. So they actually brought them down, and and they were lowering all the bodies down this super spooky dark tunnel, supply tunnel, and out out that way um the cable systems no longer intact anymore because they would they would slide them down on cables like a like a mine cart kind of thing uh but that tunnel's still there and you can go to it and uh we got uh we got an evp at the bottom of the tunnel when eric the the team leader asked uh did you buy did you die of tuberculosis and clear as day a yes and uh then the we you know we had a couple of us there, so they kind of branched off and went and did their own thing. And me and Eric stayed there. I stayed at the bottom or almost to the bottom of the tunnel by myself, and Eric stayed towards the top. And we killed the lights and just sat and and just kind of felt like the presence and the energy there. And it was it was uh, it was strong, you know. And I'm not I'm not sensitive that I you know that I say I'm not, but I have been places where I've gotten nauseous and, and things, uh, but there it was like a very heavy, heavy feeling. Um, yeah, it was, it was odd. Dang. Uh, um, where actually, I kind of think I can't remember where is Waverly Hill Sanitarium? Uh, Louis, Louisville, Kentucky. That's right. Mm-hmm. I remember I talked about it before, like it's near, at least in the same state as Bobby Mackey's. Yeah, um, it's not far. It's not far from there. Have you been there? I have not. Uh, we we wanted to, uh, but I actually, when I went, it was more of a last minute thing. I flew in with my gear, um, did an overnight, and then slept for a few hours in in the hotel, and the next day, and and flew home. But Eric, uh, our team leader, stopped. He drove. So on the way back, he hit the the Pittsburgh hospital, and he got some some amazing activity there as well. 
Yeah, I guess uh, I remember that's like one of our top of our to do lists uh, this year. At least one we want to go to anyway um, to investigate. At least you know see what we can what we can do there um, when it comes to investigations and stuff like that. Um, coming close to time. One, I guess, the final things I want to ask you at least uh, discuss with you because I know your perspective when I when we when I asked this question was something similar to it um, on the roundtables. So you had a very good answer, but I guess. And now that I guess it's been a well, not a, a while, but a good amount of time. Um, as an investigator, the paranormal stuff like that, what is it that necessarily drives you to learn about this, or even wants wants you to do it? But what do you see wanting to get out of it? Like, what is your end goal to the investigating and and discovering? Like, what is what is the one thing, or at least a couple of things that you say that drives you to uh, discover? <sighs> So I, I guess it would be a two-part answer, and I would I would say number one reason, the main reason is you know like you said that we can help people that are that are having uh, paranormal problems or issues, or they think that they are having paranormal problems, and we will investigate and and give them either validation. Uh, we have people that will do a cleansing, um, or if it's not, and maybe that they're having some some mental health issues um, possibly that, that we will get them in touch with the right people and help them that way. Uh, second curiosity, right? Um, I mean, it's always, it's, you know, it's a popular subject now. Um, it's a little less taboo. Um, I think that people were, were always fascinated by the paranormal and, and, you know, you look at uh, Thomas Edison and stuff, he was trying to, to build a spirit phone to talk to, to spirits and, and things of that nature. And, and I think it's always instilled in our, our minds to find out and, and to find out if there is an afterlife and what's going on and what it is. And that drive to, to capture, uh, you know, maybe a, a photo or, or an image of a, an undisputable apparition or something of that, like, you know, that's, that's what I, that drives me too, you know, as well. It's like, it's like fishing in a way, you know, you go out and catch a couple of fish and, and you get, you know, you want to go out and, and do it more. You want to catch more. You want to get more and, and go and, and find new spots and get new equipment and, and do things, you know, I enjoy it. It's a passion. Good answer. I know because I remember I, I spoke before of like, you know, several different kinds of paranormal teams out there, but um yeah, that, that answer is a very good in the sense of that you're out there to to learn, to help and, and um, you know, figure out, you know, why are someone died, at least what happens to us after because there's so many theories when it comes to it and learning about it and just getting it from the first hand, essentially, with uh, people who are dead um, is probably the best way to do it. But And, and I would say that it's I'm kind of a. a you know, a no nonsense guy. I, I like to look at the science of it and, and do it. And I've seen, I, I was a full blown skeptic at, at one point, you know, and, and I have seen things and captured things that are undisputable, undisputable. There's no way you could deny some of the EVPs that we have captured. Um, and, and it's even like more amazing uh, hearing it and seeing it in person, you know, and we don't, we don't exaggerate. We don't, uh, you know, we, we keep it straight and, and narrow and we don't want to, you know, uh, reputation and, 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 and all that is, is everything, you know? So even if we post something, like sometimes I'll post something and then later, you know, cause we want to get it out there. We're excited to show what we captured and, and stuff during an event. But sometimes if we capture something and then we start digging in and, and, and we debunk it, we'll, we'll put out that we, you know, yeah, it looks cool, but we ended up finding out it was this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, uh, I, I know at least the time when we catch something, we try to get out there, which is a rare occasion, but we're trying to, you know, get our recording stuff to, uh, down so we can actually start, you know, showing people like, this is what we do when we're out there. Um, but no, get a say- DR, man. Get a <laughs> DR. Uh, maybe with the tax money. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I. <laughs> I got so lucky on mine. It was crazy. Guy was, uh, found it, found one at an estate sale. And I guess he looked up on how much they were. Um, and he was, he was trying to sell it for big money, but he said it was broken. 
So me being a techie guy, I was like, I don't care. I'll try to fix it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I'd take the gamble. But uh, I kept offering money on it. And, and eventually he kind of just cracked and said, here, take it. And his, give me 500 bucks. It's broken. So, all right, no problem. I got it here. And I hope he's not listening. But I, I popped the batteries <laughs> in and, and it worked like a dream. I, I think he might have had the batteries in backwards. Well, you got, got a steal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got got pretty lucky there. Well, uh, I I do appreciate you coming on. Um, and uh, where can everybody find you? Uh, on all my uh, social media stuff, I go by uh, Florida Paranormal Researcher. Uh, so you could you could find me that way. FLA uh, underscore paranormal underscore underscore researcher. And uh, my YouTube is is florida paranormal researcher and that's where everybody can see the footage from the, the paranormal team yeah absolutely we also have a war party uh youtube we just we haven't posted much on there um but uh eric and i are uh, going to be starting to do a, a a little show uh digital broadcasting show and where we're going to uh feature our evidence that we catch weekly um and then we're going to put that video and audio on our war party page. Awesome. Looking forward to that. Um, yeah. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. Hey, I, I appreciate you having me. It's always good to talk to you, Isaac. And uh, I, I love what you're doing and we got to get together and investigate sometime, bud. definitely. Um, and as always, we'll catch your weirdos in the next one.